So good morning, listeners, and welcome to Sacred Space 102 FM, which uh, is a Come and See Inspirations production, being produced here in our Come and See studio here in Erda County Limerick. Uh, and this one, it's the 18th of April. It's the third Sunday of Easter. And my name is John Keeley, and help me to present the programme again this morning. Shane Ambrose, good morning to you, Shane. Good morning, John. How are we keeping? Happy Easter. Happy Easter to yourself. I was thinking about you actually the other day, pal, in terms of chocolates. How are you getting on with your chocolates now? Because you're really looking forward to them. Oh, I, I enjoyed I enjoyed my chocolates, but all good things must come to an end when you're trying to mine the old um, the waistband. Well but you know, but it's it's still Easter season. It's still Easter tide. We celebrated. We well, we didn't. Yes, well, we kept we kept Lent for forty days. You keep Easter for fifty, and Easter is a celebration. So do you know, folks, let's have a party. That's an awful lot of chocolates. But anyway, best of luck with it. <laughs> anyway, we also want to welcome especially those listeners who join us each week who are at ho- who are alone, lonely and struggling. We meet them out and about around West Limerick. Thank you indeed for listening to us and thank you indeed for sharing your thoughts and your appreciation for what we do. Uh, we must thank the Holy Spirit for this because really myself and Shane are just the instruments to it. But thank you very much indeed for your support um, and your prayers. Each week, our program is broadcast here on West Limit 102 FM at uh, 10 a.m. and 11 p.m. Of course, people know at this stage, the 10 a.m. slot is devoted to broadcasting of uh, 10 a.m. Mass from Abbeyfield Parish in County Limerick. But the 11 p.m. is, is where we feature our regular Sacred Space program, that of which we are recording at the moment. And of course, if you want to listen to any of our uh, previous programs going back over the last 12 or 13 years, you could do so by uh, maybe Googling Come and See Inspirations. That's We have a pod- podcast platform on that. Come and see inspirations.budspread.com. Just Google Come and See Inspirations. You'll find us there. Also, Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, and other platforms. And a new addition is we've also put up some of our programs, our current programs, each Sunday, and uh, some of something from the archive each week on our Facebook page. So that's Come and See Inspirations. All of those you're welcome indeed to to listen back to and maybe give us some feedback, give us some comments. They might just, just inspire listeners maybe to uh, to give us a few more suggestions in terms of any faith topics or indeed people who might come on the program and discuss the same with ourselves. If you want to do that, you can text us on 87 6088 That's 87 6088 or email come and see now, this part of the program is where we invite Shane to share some saints for the week. Sometimes he gives us warnings, sometimes he doesn't. Shane, <laughs> what's on the menu this morning? Menu, like that. Right, the menu, <laughs> literally, yes, menu is a good one. Um, for those of us having, for those of you having a fried breakfast, um, okay, this comes with a breakfast warning. Uh, and maybe for small people, maybe they might want to be distracted. Um, so, as John said, um, today is the third Sunday of Easter. For those of us praying the Psalter, we're on week three. And uh, the, 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 the office is, is proper to the season because it's Easter. Um, so to Monday, the 19th of April, we have Blessed James Duckett, I think is how you pronounce the man's name. So he's one of the English saints. He's uh, one of the martyrs. Um, and he was born in Westmoreland in England. And he died at Tyburn in London in 1602. Uh, obviously, because he died at Tyburn, we all know what happened to him. And uh, he was a bookseller, a convert to Catholicism, 
Uh, he was arrested several times for printing and the selling of Catholic books before he was executed for the crime. And he was canonized by, or sorry, he's beatified by Pius the, hang on, X and one, but Pius the 11th in 1929. So that's James, blessed James Duckett. Then on Tuesday, the 20th of April, we have an Irish saint, a Limerick saint, actually. Um, now, it, it's funny how different websites describe different things. The first website I looked up described this gentleman as the par a parish priest in the Diocese of Limerick, Ireland. His name is Blessed Morris McKenratty, or Morish McInrahig. And the description of him as a parish priest of the Diocese of Limerick really kind of undersells this man's story. He was actually the last chaplain to the last Earl of Desmond. And he's categorized as one of the Irish martyrs. He, 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 he journeyed with, uh, and he was, he was born in Kilmallock in the 1500s. He died in Clonmel in 1585. And he was beatified by John Paul II in 1992. Interesting story. He spent two years in prison. And he was arrested around the time that the Earl, the last Earl, was captured and executed um, after rebelling against Elizabeth I. So this little man, this man Murish, was arrested and put in prison for two years. And the expectation was that the Earl of Ormond, who had him in custody, would release him after a period of time. However, um, one Easter in, in, six, in 1585, um, they, a local man arranged for him to be temporarily released from the prison in Clonmel to celebrate Mass for Holy Saturday, so that they would have Mass for Easter. However, an enterprising gentleman uh, decided to betray this arrangement, and it led to the arrest of quite a number of, of Catholics in Clonmel on, Easter, on Holy Saturday night. Uh, the priest escaped because he was hidden, but the man who had arranged the mass to be said was then threatened with execution. So the priest, Murish, came back to take his place and he was ultimately then um, uh, martyred for the faith. So that's just an interesting one that we celebrate on the 20th of April. Uh, then on the 21st of April, we have the feast day of St. Anselm. Anselm is one of the doctors of the church. So from a theological perspective, his writings have come down to us. He's from Lombardy, joined the monastic school at Beck in Normandy in 1059. Uh, and he succeeded. He was This man became the Archbishop of Canterbury. He was exiled twice and he died in 1109. So that's Anselm, famous, uh, a very famous theologian. Then on Thursday, the 22nd, we have the feast day of St. Abel Mackay, I think is how you pronounce her name, and oh, Abel Mackay, Abel or Abel Mackay, and all we know about her is that she was a holy Irish woman and no other information is available. And I looked her up in a couple of places and this was the extent of what we knew. So a holy Irish woman, and we just remember her on her feast day. On Friday, then the 23rd, now it's an interesting one, there's two feasts, there's two saints on the calendar. The first is St. George, as in St. George the Martyr, as in, um, as in you know, the patron saint of England. It's also an interesting one. St. George was a soldier saint at Lydda in the Holy Land, where he was probably martyred around the year 300. No one is quite sure how he became the patron saint of England. Not, and I mean England specifically now, as opposed to the UK. Um, the, the assumption is it was the returning crusaders who brought back the, 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 the devotion to him. He is a huge saint for Christians in the Middle East. Uh, I, as people might know, I lived in Lebanon for two years. He's a big man over in Lebanon, very, very popular saint, both amongst Catholics but also amongst the Orthodox. Um, 
And also then we also celebrate the feast day of St. Adalbert, I think is how you pronounce the man's name. He's a Czech saint who's a bishop of Prague, born in 956, uh, went as a missionary among the Prussians on the Polish coast where he was martyred in 997 AD. Uh, also just to note, uh, today, Sunday, is the anniversary of the Episcopal ordination of Bishop Donald Murray, the Bishop Emeritus of Limerick. Bishop Murray was an ordained Auxiliary Bishop of Dublin in this day on the 18th of April in 1982. So we wish him a happy anniversary on that regard. Oh, and finally, sorry, I forgot, Saturday the 24th is the feast day of St. Fidelius of Sigmaringen, I think is how you pronounce it. He's a Capuchin saint, died in 1622, who went to preach to the Calvinist in, Scot- in Switzerland where he was killed by a group of extremists. So you could say he might have been looking for it. But anyway, that's he's a, he's, a, he's a Capuchin saint and a martyr for the faith. So that's what we have, John, this week in terms of celestial guides. Now, one other thing which I just wanted to flag to people is people are probably know that every Wednesday um, there is what's called a general audience with the Pope. So there's kind of a reflection, a talk, there's greetings from the pontiff. And it's usually done in St. Peter's Square or in the, in the general audience, uh, St. Paul VI audience hall in the Vatican. Obviously, because of the coronavirus, it's restricted at the moment. So, But the Pope is still giving his, um, what are called, his general audience reflections. Now, this week's one is an interesting one, and it's called The Church is a Great School of Prayer. Pope Francis reminds people um, that it's an essential task of the Church to pray and teach how to pray, to transmit from generation to generation the lamp of faith with the oil of prayer. I love that. The lamp of faith with the oil of prayer. Pope Francis encouraged Christians to examine their lives to ensure that personal prayer is a priority. Everything in the church originates in prayer and everything grows thanks to prayer, the Pope said. When the enemy, the evil one, wants to fight the church, he does so first by trying to, do, trying to drain its sources by preventing it from praying. And speaking to the camera from the Vatican's Apostolic Palace, the Pope posed a question to everyone watching his weekly broadcast. Do you pray, he asked. How do you pray? Like a Paris, or do I pray with my heart? How do I pray? Do I pray as part of the church and pray with the church, or do I pray a little according to my ideas and make my ideas become prayer? And that he pointed out that every Catholic parish is marked by times of liturgy and community prayer. Now, liturgy, yes, in Ireland, I'm not so sure about the community prayer being a, uh, being a great tradition here. And I just thought it was an interesting um, it was an interesting uh, talk given to people this week. And it's also interesting ones for people just to check in. They're short, very brief uh, reflections, short, bite-sized words. And, um, you know, and also as well as that, it's just final point. Pope Francis stressed that without prayer, the church becomes like an empty shell in which no effective changes take place and which loses direction to evangelize. Shane, thanks for that. And I'm sure most of that information, anyway, all of it, would actually be on the Vatican website, wouldn't it? News. Yeah, so it's Vatican News. So if you Google Vatican News or you Google Papal General Audience, it'll come up. Now, I know on some of those, uh, some of those talks, um, they, they sometimes give a short little podcast, don't they? Um, an English translation. I must have a dig in and see if we can find yeah. it, just to give people a flavour. But yes, uh, the, yeah, that's the thing about it is the, the actual audience is done in Italian, but there's also an English, English translation given. If people just wanted to get a quick synopsis of it well, if they didn't want to kind of go through what was on the Vatican website, Rome Reports does a short uh, yeah. two-minute synopsis, um, and it gives an English translation as well, so that's a good one to check in. I must try and get that now, now, now that I mentioned it. But also, if people want to watch it live, uh, and you've got EWTN, 
8.15am of a Wednesday morning. It's live on EWTN. So you get it on your phone or you get it on your, on your TV, actually, if you've got, if you got uh, free to wear or your computer anywhere, 8.15am. Um, I just also want to mention just one more thing, to, speaking about kind of about that too. Um, an awful lot of people these days have uh, mentioned to me from time to time, you know, that where could they get mass, you know, in terms that they, that, that they can't attend physically, but where is mass available online? And the, the only advice that I can give, the best advice that I can give is to go on to churchservices.ie. That's just Google churchservices.ie from 6.30 in the morning-ish. I think it starts off with morning prayer there from from Glenstall, Shane, and then continues on to 9 p.m. at night. In between that, there's masses throughout the day. Uh, there might be meditations. There, there might even be Eucharistic adoration. I'm not too sure. But churchservices.ie, any time of the day, so whether you get up late or get up early, you should be able to get something there, just something to bear in mind. Just as well, just as well for those that may not necessarily have Internet access, um, Archie, to be fair to them, and I think we definitely have to commend the commissioning editor of RT's religious content to Roger Childs. They have really kind of stepped up to the mark during the vaccine and the and the restriction. Sorry, the 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 not the vaccine, the 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 virus and the restrictions that go with it, in terms of provision of religious services on TV. So just as well, if you don't have um, if you don't have internet connectivity, Mass can be watched on RT News Channel every weekday at 10.30 a.m. So that's generally, it's chap- it's channel, generally channel 11 on your Serview. Um, sorry, Serview 21, I should 21, say, beg yeah. your pardon. Yeah, 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 beg your pardon, it's 21. And, um, or, you know, it, it's also available online for those that have access as well. But it just, it's, it is, it is, they, they and they actually link in the... Um, the mass that's broadcast is actually via the church services TV um, support. So just um, and just I, something to be aware of. As we've often mentioned here on the radio too, I mean, obviously, um, our good friends in Radio Maria Ireland, they also broadcast mass again. If you go up onto your serve view, continue on RT1, RT1, go right the way up to the end and you get Radio Maria. They have 10 a.m. mass every morning. Uh, but they also have have um, have the Angelus prayers, they have morning prayers, they have the rosary at various times of the day and night prayer. Uh, ie as well. You can get them through the Google button. Those of you who don't, who don't have Google, there you are. You just go into your TV set and slot through to Radio Maria. Okay, at this point of the programme, we might pray our spirit of communion prayer before we go for our first bit of music. This is a prayer, of course, uh, for those of us, all of us these days, who can't receive Jesus sacramentally. But we can make a spiritual communion prayer, and this is our prayer. My Jesus, I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot now receive you sacramentally, come spiritually into my soul. I embrace you as already there. I unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. So now we'll go for our first bit of music. Uh, This one is entitled Hosanna and is sung by the angels. So come back and join us in part two. Now in part two uh, today, we are featuring an interview uh, that we took uh, recorded from the, actually from the Limerick Diocesan website, in which um, Bishop Brendan Leahy interviewed Father Tony Mullins from Abbeyfield Parish.
So now we're going to listen to a short interview in which Bishop Brendan Leahy chats with Father Tony Mullins from Abbeyfield Parish. This interview is available to be heard as well on the Limerick Diocesan website. So let's hear this. So hello, I'm Bishop Brendan Leahy here in Limerick and today I'm in conversation with Canon Tony Mullins, a much loved and well-known priest here in the Diocese of Limerick. You're very welcome, Tony. Thank you, Bishop Brendan. Very nice to be with you this afternoon. So, Tony, many people know you, but maybe you could just give us a little bit of your own background. Yeah, well, I'm a native of Arda uh, in West Limerick. Uh, I'm the youngest of six children. Uh, I went to school in Arda and later to Newcastle West and then to Minute. Um, I was ordained there in 1983. Um, and I've spent most of my ministry in Limerick Diocese, although I did spend a very short period out of it. At the very beginning, I was on loan to Armagh Diocese up in St. That's, Peter's that's for about When we had loads of, loads of seminarians at that time. Absolutely, those were the days. There was, there was no place on the team in Limerick at that stage. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so we've, we've seen quite a change from, from that period then, you know, so... Yeah, and my family, I suppose, in, in Arda would be well, very much associated with music, traditional music and that. So we'd be well known in that area, you know. So Well, you yourself have a great, of course, uh, gift in that area, a great, great voice. Yeah, thank I God. guess I brought that from, from my parents, I imagine, you know, and uh, yeah, I, I enjoy singing and it seems to bring some comfort to a lot of people. <laughs> so, Well, now in Limerick, you've had, of course, huge experience. You've been in many parishes. Uh, you've been administrator of the diocese for four years. You're now our vicar general as well. What for you is a feature of Limerick Diocese that you particularly like? Well, as you say, Brendan, I've, I've had an incredible amount of experience really at a pastoral level. Extraordinary, really. I've been parishes, hospitals, even the prison. I was part-time chaplain in the prison for eight years. Um, and I suppose really what strikes me about all of that is really... It's the goodness of people, really. People, no matter where they are, whether in parish, hospital, there's a, there's a great goodness within people. And, uh, you know, whether they are linked with church in, the, in a formal way, like mass attenders or not, I have found people to be generally very open, welcoming, and there is an, in, an inner goodness in all people, really, that, that's, that's, that, that I find very encouraging, you know. Well, certainly I have found that since I've come to Limerick as well. People in general are well disposed towards the church and I, especially to many of the priests of the church. A lot of people know priests very well and I'm very struck by that in Limerick. Yeah, yeah, that is true. I suppose in a way Limerick is small. We mightn't think of it in that way, but it is a small community. And uh, I said, yeah, you know, priests have always had a, a role in community, as we know, maybe to a lesser extent now, but we are with people at very significant moments in their lives and you walk with people on the days of joy and happiness you also walk with them in at times of sadness and bereavement and well that's where the ministry is really today i was reminded actually by a, a parishioner of being involved with a member of her family in another parish and she what she said to me was she said you give time to them at a very critical moment in their in their lives and uh, um, I think that's the I think that's the connection, and generally, I think priests do reach out, and people connect with them very well. Well, that's a wonderful testimony, and indeed, thanks to you for the many, many ways you've reached out to a lot of people at a lot of levels. 
but I, I'm sure this whole COVID experience must be something of a challenge for priests. Well, absolutely. And I suppose we're into a year of it now. It's, it's, it seems quite uh, amazing that we have gone through this particular year. And it's had different shapes and different kind of uh, different stages along that journey that year that has been different moments, moments of, I suppose, shock initially when we when we had to close our churches and coming out to celebrate mass to an empty church. I mean, that was quite a, quite a shock, really. We were blessed here in Abbey Field that my predecessor, John O'Shea, had put in a webcam and we were the only webcam in the county at that stage last year um, and suddenly became really aware of a responsibility to the to many to the many people who were linking in with us. We, in fact, we had thousands of people linking in with us for Holy Week last year. And That's wonderful. Quite, it was wonderful. It also brought its own particular stresses with it from our point of view. But I think by and large, we, 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 we connected with people. But I would be concerned for people who who don't have that ability uh, to connect with us, particularly older people who might feel somewhat isolated. And I suppose one of the things here in the Western part of the diocese is that the West Limerick 102 radio station has stepped into that breach on Sunday mornings. And we are now reaching a lot of people for Mass on Sundays That's that excellent. we have reached through the internet, you know. So it's been great in that sense. But, oh yeah, a huge, a huge readjustment for all of us, really, you know, and... Uh, yeah, and I think would that's significant say, as we go to the future. Would you say that COVID has brought any positives in terms of pastoral life? Well, I, th- I think it has shown us really how we can adapt and change. And the church, in we are in a situation where we do need to adapt and change. Um, it's, it's changing all the time anyway, but perhaps, uh, you know, the church I was ordained into in 1983 and the country that Ireland was in 1983, there's no comparison. The landscape has changed so dramatically, really, in so, so many ways that the church finds itself perhaps even almost on the margins of, of, of Irish society in a way. Um, so we have to adapt to that. We have to adjust to that. How do we proclaim the good news to people in our communities uh, in this new situation? I think the COVID has taught us, yes, we can change, we can adapt. I mean, you just take the, the celebration of the sacraments, the First Communion and Confirmation. Yes, there was the whole issue of when and where and how and so on. And it was very challenging. And people have been fantastic in how they responded. But what has emerged from that actually is very positive because I think for nearly every family I would have contact with here and just listening around the dices, um, I think the smallness of the gathering, the intimacy of it, the simplicity of it uh, has taught us something perhaps that we weren't able to see before. And I think that's just one small example of how we can, we have adapted and we will adapt into the future. And it helps us to reach out perhaps to people in a way that we were not being successful at before, you know. Good to hear. How, how about uh, funeral ministries? How have funerals been? Funerals have probably be, have probably been the most challenging, really, for for all of us, for for obviously for relatives of people who've died, but also I think for ourselves as priests ministering to people, um, the challenge of trying to uh, ensure the safety of everybody uh, within the church building, uh, and at the same time, uh, the distancing, the challenge of trying to be supportive to people as best you can. So I suppose in a way people would feel that the culture we have in Ireland of, of, of the rituals of our funerals 
really have a huge community aspect to it. And in a way, the distancing has diminished that somewhat, uh, quite considerably, really. And I think people feel that absence. But I think within the church itself, you know, the actual celebration of masses, the funeral masses, the liturgies have been quite personal. And despite the fact we might be celebrating a funeral mass in a big church like Abbey Field, there is, a, I, I have found that in an awful lot of cases, in most cases, families have really found it very personal um, and very uh, comforting for them. And, and it's a whole different experience for all of us. And again, I suppose it's just the smallness of the gathering and it's personal and there's no stress in a way on about being in front of people or anything like that, you know. Um, but then of course, when funerals leave the church, you're into a whole new issue there. That's a different situation, but yeah. Sure, had, I know, is, of course, uh, some people- downs, you know. You know, so. Yeah, some people would prefer if the numbers could be up to mm. 25 in actual funerals. Absolutely. I mean, the, the number 10 has been actually quite, it's been very, very challenging for, for families. Who do you decide that comes in? Um, you're trying to guide people in that decision making. Uh, not easy. It's very painful, very painful for everybody. And uh, so look, you know, the sooner we can go up to at least 25, at least that would be, you know, more, more, more acceptable, I think, you know. We're in coming into Holy Week and Thursday, Holy Thursday is the day we often remember, especially the, the institution of priesthood, the gift of priesthood. Uh, it has, hasn't been an easy time for anybody, hasn't been an easy time for priests. Many people, however, do want to try and do their part. How might people best help priests, in your view, at this time? Well, I find here that uh, I suppose, really, I mean, it's a very human thing, really, but I find people are very encouraging. Um, uh, they have been incredibly encouraging, actually. It's, it's, the, it's the word of encouragement. It's maybe the telephone call, the text message you get after a liturgy. You're celebrating Mass in a church where there's nobody except yourself and the reader and maybe a, a singer. And then you get a response from somebody and says, yes, that meant something to me. That touched me. Uh, and, and again, you know, that's new for Irish people. I don't think Irish people actually uh, responded in that way before. Yes, we're might, kind of might used be, to the Americans. In a negative way. But not yeah, the Americans were great at giving a word yeah. after a, a liturgy. Irish people probably not. But as you said, yeah. that could be something. That's coming out of COVID. I, so, so I think that, that kind of sense, yeah. Also, I suppose, you know, like for those of for those people who can link in with us on the uh, on the uh, on the webcam and through the Facebook pages that in other parishes, you know, we've been talking a lot of what we call the domestic church. And I mean, it's 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 actually well, even though we're physically apart for these rituals and these liturgies, um, people can create that sense of ritual within their own uh, homes and you know i was just thinking today we'll be putting word out now over the next few days about holy week here in the parish and we're certainly encouraging people you know to have a crucifix make sure you have a crucifix for good friday make sure you have little water for the holy thursday that you have a candle for our holy saturday celebrate vigil so you you kind of link in with people in that way so they can actually get connected not just virtually but actually they can get tan tangible symbols of what we're celebrating over these three great days. I think that might be helpful and meaningful to everybody. Very, 
very important indeed. We've loads of resources up on our diocesan website, the Limerick Diocesan website as well, if you want to look them up. Mm-hmm. You're nearly 40 years a priest. <laughs> what has been a high point in priesthood for you? Oh, God, that's a... <laughs> yeah, you know, sometimes I think the high points are very um, low-key occasions in a way. Um it may be something somebody says to you uh, um, for something like that discussion I had earlier today with that person, something I was involved in 15 years ago has resonated with those people all the time. And so, yeah, I think that's the, that those personal kind of moments of encouragement are always a high point, to be honest. Um, I think, you know, I look back over my time over the last 40 years um, we've been through a very difficult period uh, and uh, people, people have stayed with us. They, they have, I think that in itself is encouraging too. Um, and I think back to the Eucharistic Congress, I remember um, being part of that in, in Dublin. And uh, that time I was administrator in the diocese. So, um, I remember we were gathering with the bishops to, to go out to celebrate one of the masses in the RDS. And we were talking to bishops from uh, other parts of the world. And there were two French bishops there and just chatting to them. And they, they knew, they, they expressed to me the pain that they, that they felt that we were having here in the Irish church at that particular time. And they said one of the reasons they had come was out of solidarity with the Irish church. And I just felt that we, yeah, suddenly we can see Ireland's a very small, it's a very small, I suppose, microcosm of the church, but we, sometimes we don't be look beyond our own borders. Uh, we are part of an incredible universal uh, family of God that certainly, um, I think we, it was good for us to experience both at the Eucharistic Congress and uh, at the celebration of families in Dublin in the last two years ago. Uh, you get a sense that you're, you're, you're not alone, that you're not just one isolated island. You're part of a much greater, greater uh, universal church, really. You know? Wonderful. That's wonderful. It's, it's, it's such an encouragement for families. If you met a young man who was thinking about priesthood, what might you say to him? Uh, I, I would say to him uh, that he would, first of all, he, I, I think, you know, you, you're talking about his prayer life, really, and how significant that is for him at that particular time. Um, I think I would encourage him to perhaps find somebody that he could talk this over with on a regular basis and maybe uh, somebody who would guide him through discernment. And of course, we have that process now being set up in our own diocese in the Munster region. I think it's this week, actually, isn't there, that there is an actual program uh, of discernment uh, for men who might be considering the priesthood. Um, and, yeah, I, I think those are the two things I, I would actually say, you know. Right. Um, yeah, yeah. We've gone through a lot here, Tony, <laughs> and our time is running out. And maybe by way of conclusion, go back to the beginning. You're a great man for a song. I won't ask you to sing a song. Thank God. But, <laughs> What's, what's your favourite music? What's your favourite type of music? And do you have oh, a favourite song? I had a feeling you were going to ask me that question. <laughs> <laughs> I have a very wide range of interest in music. I suppose stemming from my own roots, traditional folk music, uh, 
Irish music. But also I grew up in the 70s, so groups like the Eagles and even Queen, can I say, from the rock group Queen. Um, and then maybe going on to Manute and discovering a whole new world of classical music, ecclesial music. Um, so if you were to look into my collection of music here, you'd see quite a, a range of, of things. And I was thinking about this. And one of the things, I suppose, that excites me or that gives me energy around music is the voice. And that's interesting because I love listening to particular voices. So they can be in any any uh, you know genre of music. They can be, you know, I remember being at a, a rugby match in Cardiff with my brother and listening to Catherine Jenkins sing for the very first time. I'd never even heard of her. And she sang the Welsh national anthem, uh, Land of My Fathers, I think it's called. It was just incredible moment. It's a, So the voice is something that I actually love. I love to listen to particular voices, the, the style, the range, the tone. Yeah, that's, that's really um, kind of what I like about voice and singing. As regards songs, oh God, uh, well, I could sing you a folk song, a song for Ireland or something like that, you know, so, but yeah, uh, yeah that's what that's Well, listen, that's very interesting. Interesting what you say about the range of the voices, yeah. That's, oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and both male and female. And I mean, when you look at any of the singers really, like you take a folk singer like Mara O'Connell or Mary Black or somebody like that, um, beautiful richness to their to their to their voices, uh, and then you kind of go along to the more operatic type, like Celine Bourne and these people, absolutely fantastic, you know. So, so mm -hmm. yeah, I, I'm really in, interested in voice. Uh, really, well, I, I love listening to people sing. You know. Thanks, Tony, for that very interesting conversation. Thanks to you for indeed giving voice to pastoral ministry at so many <laughs> levels, which you've yeah, done. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, and yeah. Limerick Twice is very grateful to you for your service and ministry so generously given at many, many levels. And we wish you well, Abby. Feel for Easter. And, uh, Thanks very much. Now, the piece of music that Father Tony would like us to play this morning is a beautiful piece of music uh, sung by Catherine Jenkins. And this one is entitled Gaelic Blessing.
So welcome back again to the third part of Sacred Space 102FM. My name is John Keeley, still joined by Shane Ambrose. I hope you enjoy those few little words there that uh, Father Tony Monin shared with Bishop Brendan Leahy in part two. So now we come to our part of the program where we read and reflect on the Word of God. And before that, we'll invite Shane, as usual, to pray this prayer before reading and reflecting on Scripture. Thanks, Shane. Lord, we thank you for putting us in the presence of your word, which you inspired in your prophets. May we approach this word reverently, attentively, and humbly. May we not despise this word, but receive all it has to say to us. We know that our hearts are closed, often incapable of comprehending the simplicity of your word. Send your spirit to us, so that receiving the word in truth and simplicity, our lives may be transformed by it. Let us not be resistant, Lord. May your word penetrate us like a two-edged sword. May our hearts be open to it. Let not our eyes be closed nor our minds wander. But may we give ourselves entirely to this listening. We ask this, Father, in union with Mary, who used to recite the Psalms through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you for that, Shane. So the Gospel for today, the third Sunday of Easter, is taken from the Gospel of Luke. The disciples told their story of what had happened on the road and how they'd recognized Jesus at the breaking of bread. They were still still talking about this when Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. In a state of alarm and fright, they thought that they were seeing a ghost. But he said, Why are you so agitated? And why are these doubts rising in your hearts? Look at my hands and feet. Yes, it's I indeed. Touch me and see for yourselves. A ghost has no flesh and bones as you can see, I have. And as he said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. Their joy was so great that they could not believe it. And they stood dumbfounded. So he said to them, Have you anything to eat? And they offered him a piece of grilled fish, which he took and ate before their eyes. Then he told them, This is what I meant when I said, while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses in the prophets and in the Psalms, has to be fulfilled. He then opened their their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said to them, So you see how it is written that the Christ would suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that in his name repentance for the forgiveness of sins could be preached to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses to this. That's the Gospel for today, the third Sunday. Shane, you might have a thought or two you might share with us, please. Yeah, so people might think, are they in a bit of, um, what's the word, kind of Groundhog Day in terms of just the gospel this week. But actually what we're hearing is we're hearing um, similar kind of gospel to last week. Well, last week's gospel came from John. So this week's gospel is Luke's account. Um, And the interesting thing to bear in mind with the account from Luke is this is the continuation on from the events on the road to Emmaus. So that's why it starts. The disciple told the story of what had happened on the road and how they had recognized Jesus at the breaking of the bread. Now, I think I said this, I don't know, was it last week or was it the week before, that when we're, when we're looking at the, the scriptures and you're looking at the, the resurrection and the Easter events, the, it can be a bit disconcerting the way things jump around a small bit on the Sunday Gospels um, because there's accounts taken from each of the each of the Gospels over the Easter period. So what I would say to people is, it, you know, might be no harm to take one Gospel and to read it through in terms of the section dealing with the resurrection and just do one at the time rather than jumping around. Just something to think about. Anyway, this one, this Gospel, Luke's account, 
And very much for me, I think, John, a couple of things that jumped out was the reference again to peace be with you. So very much echoing what we heard in John's gospel last week. Um, again, we have this, we have, we have, we have, we have something taking place uh, to evidence that Jesus is not a ghost. So last week it was Thomas putting his hands into the, the wounds. This week it is this eating of the piece of fish, uh, grilled fish, which he took and ate before their eyes. Um, you know, and it's, it's, I suppose it's, it's another account of what happens and after after the resurrection and what are the, the appearances of Jesus to the eleven? And I suppose there's a couple of things about it. First of all, this is the te- this is the testimony about on which the faith of Christianity is, I suppose, in one sense, is built, because it is this witness testimony of the of the, the apostles and the impact that it had on them, which gave rise to the spread the, the faith and the spread of, of Christianity throughout the world. Uh, the interesting thing, I suppose, just looking at it, they were talking about all of this, as in they were talking about everything that happened when Jesus appeared amongst them. And he said, peace be with you. Now, um, you know, why are you so agitated and why are these doubts rising in your hearts? Look at my hands and my feet. Yes, indeed, it is I. So again, we have this echo back to the gospel last week with John, doubting Thomas, all of that. Touch me and see for yourself. A ghost has no flesh and bones, as you can see I have. Now, I suppose for us, it's very hard to get our heads around it. We believe that the resurrection happened and that Jesus was raised from the dead. But what that actually means, we're not 100% sure of. Because what appeared to the disciples was Jesus in his glorified body. It wasn't like what happened with Lazarus, where you know he came back from the dead and presumably he had to die again, as he's not still walking around. Um, whereas Jesus was never would never die again. He was resurrected. He was different, but the same. And then he's you know he says to them, you know, this is what I spent when I said that everything written about me in the law and the prophets would be has to be fulfilled. And he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. Now, for me, I think. As for those of us to do this program each week, that get many guests and listeners listen in, that those that take part in Lexio Vina, that's a very important sentence. He opened their minds to understand the scriptures and he said to them, see how it is written that Christ would suffer and on the third day rise from the dead. And it's a, re- it's a reminder to us that engaging with the scriptures is the responsibility of all Christians. It's not, it's not a book that was written 2,000 years ago and put in a shelf and is to be forgotten about. Scripture speaks to us very much in our day-to-day existence and it's a reminder to us as well that from a christian point of view we believe that god is present in a number of ways in as a in 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 a number of ways first of all obviously as catholics we have a very deep devotion to the blessed sacrament and the eucharist and jesus is present very much there but also jesus is very much also in the body of christ the people of god assembled so that's why you know we you know where two or three are gathered in his name he's there amongst them but it's also one of the reasons why we are publicly saying you know churches need to reopen it's not sufficient that masses are online we have to come together communally collectively that is part of what it is to be christian secondly a third day of course it is jesus is present very much in the, in the priest presiding at liturgies he's in in persona christi but fourthly and this is the important one this sunday christ is present in his word proclaimed christ is present in the scripture and for us at the moment who cannot gather liturgically publicly collectively this is probably the most easiest way for us to have that uh, relationship with christ in this difficult time now the interesting other thing about it is in his in this name repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached to all the nations beginning from jerusalem and you are witnesses to this 
And for me, that's kind of, it's almost the closure of, of Luke's gospel is we're, we're coming up to the end of it. And this, this is the, is the, the instruction uh, that is given to us that from Jerusalem, the word has to go out all around the world. And it is the same thing that applies to us every Easter and the reminder that is given to us. You are witnesses to this. And the question for us this Sunday, as we pause and we look and we reflect on what happened 2,000 years ago, and we see the events that took place, and we try to make sense of it, and we try to understand it, but then ultimately we have to take a leap of faith. That's what that's what's involved in one sense. Um, but we are required to be witnesses to profess and explain what happened and to tell the story. You know, Jesus wasn't just a holy man that lived and died 2,000 years ago. As Christians, we believe he was the Son of God who died and was raised from the dead and ascended into heaven. That's what it is. That's what it's about. We're not really supposed to sugarcoat it. That's what we're called to proclaim. And that's something for us to think about this Sunday. The other thing to think about, just if you have it and you have time also, it's no harm actually over the Easter period to read all of the readings for the Sunday readings because the readings, the first readings are generally taken from the Acts of the Apostles. Now, people might remember a couple of years ago, Bishop Brendan published a new book about um, helping to reflect on different elements of the Acts of the Apostles. Highly recommend it to people, something to take up, particularly in this Easter season, if you were looking for something to do to kind of, kind of maybe if you had a, a prayer habit that you took up over the Lent, you want to keep it going. Reading through the Acts of the Apostles is a great thing to do for the Easter season, kind of seeing the early start story of the churches, the challenges they face, some of which we still have right up to the present day. It hasn't gone away, you know, um, and it's a good, it would be a good thing to pray and reflect on the Acts of the Apostles as well during the Easter season. John? Thanks a lot for that, Shane. Yeah, I, I would echo that in terms of praying with the Acts of the Apostles. You know, it really gives us an awful lot of encouragement because these guys went through before we did uh, persecution and, and strain and so on and so forth. And that little book that you mentioned there about Bishop Ben, I've actually picked it up myself. Um, these days, and ju just taking a small little chapter, which is very small, uh, a small little reflection on some segment of it, 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 it takes just a few minutes, it's well worth doing it. But just coming back to the Gospel this morning, um, what stood out for me was that line, again, Shane mentioned it right at the start there, Jesus stood among them and he said, peace be with you. And this is what I took from that. The disciples would have been very downcast over the way they'd run away from Jesus leading up to Good Friday. None of them were around him when he, when he died on the cross. And so for Jesus to come and stand among them and say, peace be with you, they would have been beautiful words for the, for the disciples to hear, but maybe confusing too, because they would have expected to get a few slaps across the wrist. But they didn't. Typical Jesus. He said, peace be with you. And it just reminds me of again about that sacrament that we can't uh, celebrate at the moment, the sacrament of reconciliation. It happens to all of us from time to time. When we get the opportunity to go back to, to confession and the sacrament of reconciliation, we can also hear those words in our hearts too, you know, peace be with you. And it's something that I'm personally looking forward to because it's been a long time since we were able to maybe unburden some of the concerns and, and some of the things that we have to carry around with us from time to time. But the sacrament of confession is a beautiful way of hearing those beautiful words from, from the Lord again. Peace be with you. Hopefully we'll be able to do that again soon. My futile thoughts on that. We'll go out 
uh, with a piece of music that echoes that last sentence of the gospel this morning when it said, you will be my witnesses. This is one entitled, You'll Be My Witnesses. It's sung by Patricia, Patricia Burke. So it's next week for myself and Shane. Thanks for listening to us, and we'll talk to you again next week. God bless now. Bye.
to you. 